Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Human Source Codex podcast with Kelly Stewart. It's such a pleasure to be able to present this information to you and to have you all listening. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by taurusconsulting.io. It is a consulting group of polymaths and where we are unconventional in our approach to be able to help humans advance their level of understanding and consciousness. So if you're looking for uh, something that's a little different and outside the scope of your traditional thinking that may advance your business or yourself or your relationships to the next layer or a different level, then I encourage you to look up www.taurusconsulting.io. That again is taurusconsulting.io. So in today's episode, I have the beautiful experience of being able to share uh, a conversation with Jen Walker. And Jen is a person who is a seeker of the truth. And uh, she is also a self-thinker. And she loves to be able to educate and teach people to base their information on informed decision-making processes. She has a beautiful program called Unbridled the Mind, which is where she has an element of theory and an element of practice. Now, the difference in this Unbridled the Mind experience is, is that she utilizes horses in her, in her program. Now, I'm not going to go too much into what actually happens in that, because if you listen to the podcast, you'll discover a whole lot more. So I'm just going to invite you all to be able to jump on in and enjoy listening to this podcast with Jen Walker. Hi guys and welcome to the um, next episode of the Human Source Codex with Kelly Stewart. And today I have um, a beautiful friend and a colleague and we've known each other for over probably 20 years. We've shared the space of horsemanship and the journey of horses in that period with a beautiful mentor that we both share in Ray Hunt. So welcome Jennifer Walker, the creator of Make Happy a Habit program and the facilitator of Unbridle the Mind. It's a personal development course. And she's also a master NLP practitioner and a Psych K facilitator. And like Jen has been involved with horses for over, I would say, you know, 40 years as such, maybe a bit longer. And she's also an Equestrian Australia coach uh, for the last 25 years. And Jen also has an uh, in-depth interest in horsemanship philosophy. So this is where we actually are congruent and we share the same love of horses. But it's not just the horse itself. It's the philosophy that we have learnt from the horse and horsemanship over our many years of journeying into like training and being around horses and the people that are associated with that. And we also share a common interest in uh, personal development and human behavior, which is seen as both actually go off on a trajectory into helping people at an at a in-depth level and with the use of the horses in some of the work that we do. But it's not everything that we do now. It's we are predominantly actually working with people in this way of actually delivering the knowledge that we have learned over a period of time. So welcome, Jen. Hello, Kelly, and hello, listeners. Lovely to be here. Lovely to have you on my podcast. It's such a pleasure. 
to be able to like share this space and open up the opportunity for us to be able to bring this information to people across not just Australia but the world. We're both located in Australia at the moment but uh, this is due to current global situation which uh, we all know about so we don't really need to name it and um, you know potentially I was in the US and uh, the last time we saw each other we were in Sydney I think 2018 yeah 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 so it's funny I was um, thinking today, um, when I met you, you know, it's funny how you think about things. And I was only thinking today, the first time we met, I was sitting on the edge of a Ray Hunt clinic and you were in the cult starting and um, you were there and Jason Leach were there and a few other pretty handy people. And I remember sitting there watching you and you were like the big wigs of it all. I remember I was sitting there watching, thinking, oh, you're all so amazing. And there I was lucky to, you know, canter my warm blood around 20 other horses in the horsemanship and you're all in there in the colt starting. And, yeah, I, I still remember. I can still actually see it. You're sitting up on the edge. The horses are in around yard and you're, you know, bumping them to try and get them up close to the rail to get on. And, yeah, so I remember that. That was, um, that was a pretty cool clinic, actually. Fun yeah. days, I've got to say. They were <laughs> <laughs> that, that was. That was in Tamworth. I think it must have been... Um... I yeah. don't remember how long ago it was, but it was oh definitely a long time ago. <laughs> it was that was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful opportunity. I remember that well. There's so many uh, stories that came out of that experience, and I remember, you know, we had two round pens set up the top, and the the arena, as Ray always would set up in colt starting clinics. But I think there was 25 of us actually starting colts, and mm. and so we. Mm -hmm. we had, and the way that that is actually facilitated is, is that we all get in together and, you know, we all saddle up together and we all get on together. And, and so if, if one horse tends to actually drop out, it creates that domino effect. They all tend to drop out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, 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 it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, it, I would be in that space going, please, 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 nobody would drop out, please, you know, like facilitating yeah. the energy. The flow of energy in that space, mm -hmm. and what your heart would be in your mouth, but you knew that you had to take that heart out of your mouth because the horse would feel that. And if you, if you showed any element of fear, you would be, you know, like dusted in an instant, you know. And um, yeah, so it was it was a beautiful opportunity, and this is this is a beautiful place to start. Actually, is yeah, it was it was it was great. <laughs> In the recognition of Ray as as a mentor to both of us, and uh -huh. the Absolutely. wisdom, the wisdom of that man, and I believe that he was a sage before his time, and he had an in depth understanding of human behaviour, and an in depth knowledge <laughs> of sure. of the the energy or the spirit of a human, and how that that actually affected uh, life in itself, and. Um, you know, he was a philosopher, a deep philosopher that was potentially like before his time to be able to be recognised from that that way of being. <clears throat> and, you know, myself over the years of of starting so many cults and, and being in the space of so many uh, humans that are around horses, realising that that subtle element that he used to talk about the other thing, 
he used to call it the other thing, mm -hmm. which was the spirit. The mm -hmm. spirit of the human is what actually um, depicted the life inside the human. And remember he used to say, show me your horse and I'll show you the life inside of you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that, that always stuck with me. And it wasn't about Ray was a person that would never give you the answers. He would set you up to actually <laughs> find the answers yourself. Yes. And the, the wisdom in that. I didn't like that. <laughs> oh, you did it? It was, yeah, I know. But ultimately it's the way to go because it made you self-sufficient self when he wasn't there. Yes, yeah. yes. And to be able to access access um, that wisdom no matter what, right, and it wasn't about having having him there all the time. And he also used to say to us, when you when you go home is when you would learn the most, but don't worry, Mother, Mother Nature yeah. will be sitting on this shoulder and I'll be sitting on the other shoulder. So it's like trusting mm. in that element that if you gave yourself permission, you could tap into the wisdom any time you actually allowed yourself to. And so to me that was a beautiful aspect mm. of personal development and also human behaviour, right? So in, mm. in understanding that, he, he to me was a, a very beautiful pathway into where it looks like we've both actually, you know, gone down pathways into human behaviour. So do you yeah. want to share a little bit about it's, like what it is that you do in that pathway? Well, certainly, I think I think that's true. I think Ray started me on that journey because you see things from a different a different angle. You know, so many people out there blaming the horse for this and that, but you can't do that when you really know horse and you have to go. Well, how am I contributing to this? What am I bringing to the table that's creating this? And really, that's that's all about how life is. You know, what? How are you creating what you're experiencing? And I think that's um. Yeah, you know, I think that's the key to that. Um, Ray certainly, you know, <laughs> there's so many stories about the Ray times. I can remember that that same clinic. I had a warm blood mare there, and um, you know, it, it was pretty challenging. <laughs> it, it ended up taking me seven years to be able to walk trot and canter that horse on a loose rein, and that's a bit embarrassing in one sense. But man, you know, I was at this clinic, and and she was horse shy, and. And so Ray said to everyone, every time you go past that horse, give it a pat. Now, can you imagine? I'm sitting on this, you know, big warm blood mare that's horse shy and everybody that comes close to me has to, has to pat her. <laughs> and then it got a bit hairy and all he did is say, hang on, with a grin on his face. And I'm just thinking, well, please, God, please, God, let me live through this. <laughs> but again, you know, that particular mare, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where that actually went. That horse, you know, I did struggle for many years with that horse. And, and one day I was down in the arena and, you know, she was, you know, tanking off on me and, and um, you know, ahead of me. And anyway, she was so running on the forehand that she tripped and went, went down this day. And we ended, in the, I ended up in the dust and, and, you know, nothing was wrong with either of us. But the frustration I was experiencing from these, from that situation um, I remember going up the house crying that night and it's not because I was hurt but I'm just like the frustration of why can't I get this to work for me and um, 
And that that day actually started a, a different journey because I went up and I I got out the Ray Hunt tapes and I watched some Nuno Oliveira stuff and some Sally Swift stuff. And I actually got to realizing that it was my energy that was creating this problem. And um, you know how I got to that? I don't know. I obviously was searching for it, but and I'll say what actually happened. And this is a little bit of digression from the Ray Hunt aspect, but. This horse, um, the next day I went down and I used some of these strategies that I'd learned, you know, um, peripheral vision, breathing into my diaphragm, um, you know, getting quiet inside myself. And in one night of really discovering some of this stuff, we, it, the next day this mare went considerably better. And I've got to say within seven days, I could trot that mare around on a loose rein. Now that had taken me years to get to that point of making that decision. But once I was there, it actually came quite quickly. And I can remember taking that same mare back to Ray Hunt years later. I think it was at, um, oh, up the north coast somewhere, Coffs Harbour or somewhere up in there. And, and I was so proud of myself. I could trot and canter around and a whole group of, horsemanship people on a completely loose rein on this horse. But it was all down to, you know, understanding that I was creating that problem and it was an energetic issue, not just a mindset issue, because I don't think I don't think that I was not, you know, I was brave enough to be doing it, but my energy wasn't right. So and I think that comes into everything we do in life. If we're not centered and really you know what's called turn loose or ride on inside it's going to create disharmony or chaos in so many areas of our life so so that's the little lesson not a little lesson it's quite a huge lesson that the, the horse and and being around ray and, and striving for for those um things that i saw him do he could get on any horse and it'd be right you know so what, what did he have that i didn't i guess i was sort of looking at I think I'll be looking at that for a long time still <laughs> and timing and balance. And, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'll always be grateful for that journey that he took me on really of aspiring to I think when you see these people do this work, um, you go, well, he's got two arms, two legs and a brain. Why can't I do that? Like, you know, I think sometimes we limit <laughs> ourselves and it's really how, how bad do we want it? So, um, so, so I guess if you, you look at the aspect of that, you know, like if he can do it, why can't we do it? And so what do you think that the, is that in itself, you know? Like I understand intrinsically what you're talking about being in, the, in those situations as well. And, but um, and being around Ray and watching him ride, it's almost like you draw off his energy too, right? It's like his energy would permeate. His energy would permeate mm -hmm. through the round pen or through the arena. Just being in his presence, you become entangled with that. So um, it's almost like he had this magic that would extend beyond himself to take you into who he was. You became part of him. And the moment you stepped out of there, you know, when you got home, that this shit would hit the fan, right? And... Um, <laughs> So what is it do you believe or perceive that he had that that we all were looking for, wanting? 
and you talk about it as energy you know do you believe that it is what is that you know <clears throat> what drives that what's the cause of that you know I think there's several aspects to that I think uh, one is he obviously desired it he had a desire to find that and that desire got him to the level he got because as he says like he I think the story goes he, he he was, you know, very unconscious to start with. He was into force and I'll make it happen and I want to win. And he had those aspects to start with, but he obviously got around, you know, the dances and things and he saw something that he wanted too. And so I think desire is, is, is where you start. What that is, um, I think that's the big question of life, isn't it? Like what is that? And, and, and when you get it, you want more of it. And when you get that, feeling that um i mean that word turned loose i think it's i think it's pretty good like description of but i think for me down the track now i think it has to do with clearing it has to do mm -hmm. with clearing our programs clearing our patterns clearing everything that's in the way of us being that pure source of energy because you know i think um i think rumi has a, a poem that says something like it's not about seeking love it's about removing the barriers to experiencing and being that love and i think it's the same whether we want to ride a horse well whether we want to be a good coach whether we just want to be connected not just want to be connected to source but if we want to be connected to source it's it's removing those barriers removing that pattern programming that's been you know whether we've picked those things up as youngsters whether we've observed them you know whatever the traumas or whatever we've lived in life if we keep carrying those they get in our way there are now blockages to experiencing that state of purity and and i think the horses take us back you know when you get in a round pen and you just get quiet in the middle of that round pen and start directing that horse or or communicating there's a whole nother feel that comes over you and um it's pretty special and, and like it's it's the gift it has been my portal to another dimension in life and and whenever things get a bit unbalanced to me it's one of the best things you can do is just go get in the round yard and, and just start feeling that horse and, and feeling that you know um indirect feel between you and, and connecting so but what it is, Kelly, that's that's a pretty hard question, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's one of the existential philosophical questions that I sit in as well most days, you know, like what is energy? And mm. no scientist on this planet can actually mm. even describe or give meaning to what it actually is. It's They know what it can do, but they don't know what it is. And... It is, you know, I love the fact, um, I love Rumi, he's such a beautiful, you know, mystic and poet. And, and I think the, the, uh, the quote that you're referring to is, you know, your task is not to seek love, but to merely to seek and find all the barriers within you that you have built against it and yeah, embrace them, fine. right? And mm -hmm. when we think about the depth of that <clears throat> and, there's like you say there's there's multi aspects involved here to you know the 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 question of um what is it that 
that creates, you know, say we're just using Ray as the aspect here, you know, what, what, why did he have what so many people are chasing in the desire aspect, you know, the purpose, his meaning. And he, he had such a connection to that was his, that was his direct, um, like my, my words, values in life or axiology. That was who he was. That was his purpose in life to actually be able to get the message across for all human beings to be able to understand how to communicate with horses and have a harmonious relationship with them in in a way that fitted the horse right and <clears throat> when we when we dive deep into that uh i love the fact that you you're talking about it's like clearing the programs clearing the belief systems inside of yourself and and I can only equate that to, you know, subordinated belief systems or the fear that we have inside of ourselves, which is still related to subordinations of belief systems. And removing, do you believe, like removing those things or integrating all of those belief systems and the stuck energy within you and using your words the pure source of energy that we can then become we become uh so light and transparent and authentic that there's nothing to hide and in those moments the horses just go oh i can trust this person yeah yes yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. you just you just get so much done i think it's um i think two things that i would say working with horses is is being that clear conduit of of communication and giving them time to think. I think mm. over the years, if I had to say the two things, the two you know most important aspects to working with the horses, if you want, if you want you know that amazing bond and connection, you know it's, it's um yeah that's what I would say are the two two keys there for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so how would, in you know, the work that you do now in um, the site K and the um, NLP, how would you help a person actually uh, move through that clearing process? You know, like, so that's obviously where you're, you're working towards with your programs that you have now. So do you want to just share a bit, a bit about those particular things? Yeah, certainly. I think... Look, certainly the horses have been the, the opening door to a lot of this work. And, I mean, having coached people for over 25 years, you know, I can even know. I, I used to be able to watch someone walk in the equestrian, my equestrian centre. I could watch them walk down the aisle and know where their energy was, um, you know, what horse, you know, I had school horses as well, so what horse was going to suit them, um, what, how much energy they had stuck. Um, you know, and then I used to call people like high and low energy and not that wasn't like a judgment. That was just an observation. So maybe someone might be a heavy energy, someone might be a light energy. Neither are good in the middle is the best because if you've got someone with a, a, a bit of a dense energy, even how they got on a horse, they'd clamber up on a horse. They weren't light off the ground and things. Now that sort of person, if you put them on a dull horse, you know, it was just, the whole thing was just a, you know a struggle um you get someone who's what what i used to call high energy and you put them on a hot horse and then it's just chaos so i think for me watching that energy um 
as I say, it's not a judgment, good or bad. I used to be high energy. Everything I got on went fast. <laughs> I had to learn to, to get to that middle place. Um, and so I guess watching and learning that energy, I think, made me interested in, in what, you know, how people are operating and what makes people tick and how I could help them to help the horse. And so there, that's sort of the opening into now into um, the personal development field and, and um, into... I'm actually doing more work without the horses than with horses at the moment with the, the NLP and timeline therapy and Psych K. So in answer to your questions, um, in answer to your question, I have a, a system that I've developed. I call it the ETP method. And I guess it's um it has come from from working with the horses, but it's also come from my NLP um, training as well. And what it stands for, it stands for um, the E is for energy, the T is for timeline therapy, and the P is for psych K. And um, so what I'm doing, so what you know, my program is about is, is the energy is um, to do with clearing your energy fields. Now, this can be such a broad statement. You know, what, are, what are your energy fields? Um, I'm not going to go too deep into that right here, but it's it's that first layer i think if we're not getting clear there then the other two processes are going to struggle the next with the timeline therapy what we do there is we um clear out past emotions troubling emotions i should say um that are creating chaos or disharmony or you know experiences that we don't want now someone can be you know experiencing quite you know severe um, anxiety or depression and once this timeline therapy um, process is done and it doesn't have to take long um, you know three sessions and someone can be um, feeling completely different um, you just feel lighter clearer um, you know you can still remember let's say you've had a traumatic experience you can still have the memory of the experience but you've removed the emotion around the experience um, and I mean with the horse riding and coaching that can be someone's had a bad fall and they still might remember the camp came off but we can remove that that fear and that emotion that they're carrying from that from that experience for instance and then once we've um, cleared our energy field cleared out um, the emotions that are troubling us then the third aspect is where we use the psych k and that's you know reinstalling like removing limiting beliefs and you know installing beliefs that are going to serve us um, to achieve the life or the desired results we want which is obviously different for every person so yes yeah, so that's um, a little bit of a brief overview of the etp method that um you know it's been my developed you know process and um and how did i come across it um i think you know, because, you know, I had some challenges um, in my own life and, you know, sought out some people that um, could help me instead of just getting stuck in the problem and thinking life was bad. I kept searching for answers and, um, and that's how I ended up finding out about these different modalities and, and I was so impressed with them that, yes, I went on and became fully qualified in those fields. So... That's my little bit of a journey, and um, I'm very, wow. very passionate about it. Um, I can tell. Yeah, like it's whole... just <laughs> rolling, 
rolling off the top of your tongue and I can feel the energy of that in terms of inspiration. So, you know, like it's such a beautiful well, it place. it just works. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's hard to watch. Like I'm I'm in a few groups on Facebook because I, I like to, you know, see where things are at and what people are experiencing. And I watch um, one of the groups I'm on is an anxiety and depression group. And I saw a lady post the other day saying, can you ever be rid of it? And do you know how many people wrote, no, you just have to learn to live with it? And I just thought, oh, my goodness, there's so many people out there that don't know that there's ways to, there's ways to feel good. And it's not through the bottle or going and getting on drugs. Like it, it, you can actually, you know, remove these um, troubling emotions and, and poor emotional states. And, and this is just my way. I, I'm sure there's others that, so you can see quite clearly that there's limiting beliefs. My process that I've come across, but um, so absolutely, it, it's yeah that the limiting yeah, beliefs like, even through social media are creating even new belief systems, right? And you know, I find that yeah. fascinating in in exactly that that you know it is limiting beliefs that we tend to actually create ceilings for ourselves, and mm. in the perception that we we can't when we use the word can't I'm like oh that's an absolutism and I know that people are holding themselves back in that format um, but how do we get the information out there that there is a transcendence opportunity or an opportunity to transform from those belief systems into a new state of being or a new way of living Look, I think that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, even having these discussions uh, for everybody that hears. And I think, you know, our our life with the horses, you know, when people see us get results, they have to know we know something that possibly they don't. Um, even down to I've just done a webinar for um, Make Happy a Habit and right at the end, and I, it might be a little bit, sometimes I, it, it might be a little bit cringeworthy, but I thought, you know what, own it, girl. So right at the end of my webinar, I've got a um, some vision of me riding bridleless on my horse in a 1,000 acres, no saddle, no bridle, and we're cantering up this hill. And I say, you know, if I can have this horse completely trust me in that moment, then I think there's something that I've got, you know, that maybe I'd help you too you know as far as with the fears and anxiety you have to be fairly right on inside yourself to achieve that result so I guess walking our talk is is probably the number one place because even in this coronavirus oh, I don't know whether I meant to mention that but even in this situation that we're dealing with <laughs> I think it's it's showing people you know what side of the coin are you on are you in trust are you in um are you connecting to your inner self through this or are you getting embroiled in in the media and the fear-based thinking so i think this is a big levelizer right now um, as to what path that you want to choose to um, experience and go through this in so but how do we get it out there um i don't really know what i've done with my program is not only have I said that, you know, through this program you can change your life, but I'm actually asking people to step up and become what I call a happiness hero. 
So most people that are dealing with anxiety or depression, they're in their own ball of woe is me, I can't change, this is bad. And I'm saying let's get you right and let's, let's get you to be a light for others and become what I call a happiness hero. <laughs> so um, oh, I love that. That's you know, a cool term. That's a cool yeah, well, term. Like a superhero. Yeah. Well, what, yeah, well, see, when someone, you know, heals their own life, they are a light for others. They are um, an example for others. Hmm. And, and most people will do more for someone else than they will for themselves. So when we can shift them out of how bad my life is to, hang on, maybe it's not that hard and then maybe I can go forward and, and share this and spread this. So I'm hoping it's like the ripple effect and the more people that we can um, reach and, and have look at this information and go through these programs, then they can um, then keep spreading it out further and further and go, hey, you know, I used to be there. You know, they might say to a colleague, I used to be there, but guess what? I found a way not to live there. I found a way con to connect to my inner self. And um, and it doesn't actually have to be that hard. But until people live it, it's a bit like the one rain stop until you live it and know that it works. you got to get bucked <laughs> off. You know what I mean? You can get told, you can, you can get told to do it 100 times but until that, you know, jet comes over and you take that one rain and, and save your life, you know, it sort of probably doesn't mean as much until you've lived it, I think. So I, love so I think that for I every person that's out there struggling, Sorry. I love I love that analogy. Like until you live the one rain stop, and for the listeners that don't comprehend what we're talking about, like the one rain stop or bending your horse to a stop or bending your horse is like the life saving technique that we learn when we are riding young horses or horses that have problems or behavioural issues, and um, it is the number one thing that actually will keep you safe. But if you don't know how to utilize that and understand the purpose and meaning of it then you will get bucked off and you know when you hit the dirt <laughs> and when you hit the dirt the lesson is in the dirt right it's in it's in the moment that you leave the horse all the way through there until you actually hit the dirt many times jen many times i've had that happen. <laughs> and you know the, the beauty in that is also that we might judge that as being bad but you know the wisdom that comes from being bucked off or in entering into a challenge is insurmountable right until you can go through something you're not really going to actually understand it properly and have the wisdom that comes from it so um i love the fact that you utilize that terminology because it does apply to every aspect of our life right and being able to do that um inner work on yourself and being able to uh you know, look at the the emotional aspects that are actually holding you back in transformation or transcendence into uh, a different way of being is basically not utilizing the one rain stop, right? And so, therefore, you become you become reactionary to life, and you're you're just in this what I call like a a fight or flight state of of being, which is really self preservation. And that's where we enter into enter into the realms of victim mentality or victimhood, right? And we we mm. then can't see past those particular, you know, perceptions of what may be available to a human being to be able to move through, you know, the challenges 
that they're experiencing. And <clears throat> coming back to, you know, I like to ask the question, what do you think that the, the pure cause and effect of, of a person entering into, into that state of like becoming a victim or entering into the victim mentality? We can utilize coronavirus now, I don't care. You know, like I'm controversial mm -hmm. as fuck when it comes to stuff like this, is mm -hmm. are you going to be swayed by rhetoric or are you going to have the opportunity to be able to think for yourself and ask quality questions that are going to lead you to a different way of living, right? So the choice is, is within yourself to be able to, to do that. But we have to ask the question, what is the cause of a person not wanting to enter into making a change? Wow, that's, that's something that I actually think a lot about because mm. of, of my program. I go, what makes someone um, not choose to seek an answer to a problem? Because mm. I, I talk about that actually in my webinar. I, I say that if you've got anxiety, let's just say anxiety, mm -hmm. you have a problem that you just don't know that you haven't solved the problem yet. It's really that simple. You have a problem. Now, some people choose. I use the analogy in this um, in my webinar about you've got a leaking kitchen tap. Now, some people will have the leaking kitchen tap and they'll tell all their friends about the leaking kitchen tap and they'll talk about it. They can talk about it for years how the tap leaks. But does it fix the tap? No, it doesn't fix the leaking tap. The next lot of people will, um, they know they've got a leaking tap, but they don't know how to fix it. So they start searching to how to fix the tap. And then the third lot of people say, I've got a problem. I've got a tap. Where do I go? And I need some solutions. You know, so it's really like what makes one person just whinge and bitch about the tap leaking to the person on the other end going, all right, there's a problem. Let me seek out an answer. Because we're all going to have problems in life. It's really do we get stuck in the problem for you know, a week, a year, 10 years, a decade? Or do we just, do we start asking the question, you know, who, who can help me? Who knows more? Who's been there? Who's had that leaking tap and got it fixed? You know, so it really is fundamentally how you, how you think. It really comes down to a belief system. Mm -hmm. of, um, <laughs> uh, I think it's a really interesting question. And, yeah. and I think from, from our horsemanship point of view, you know, I think that we are seekers of, answers that's how we met that's why we're at those clinics why are those clinics got 20 people at them and there's thousands at something else you know i think that it's a good question yeah i think i love that you know why are we seekers of the truth and you know mm -hmm. I've, I've figured out you know in the last <clears throat> 20 years that i'm a philosopher and, and an eternal seeker of the truth and <laughs> A little bit different from most people, you know, and get put in the in that box of when well, she's a bit different. Um, and I'm okay with that, <laughs> totally, you know, like totally okay yeah. with that. But it it is it is you know looking at um, the the thinking process, and if we I and I'm like you, I want to find an answer to a question like why is that? Why does a human do the thing that they do? And I, same when I was training a lot of horses, why does that horse do what it's doing? Why? And there's a lot of why yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. And the quality of your life really depends on the quality of the questions you ask, right? So Absolutely. 
And we we understand that there's always two aspects of life and we can say a positive or a negative. Um, and I could go deeper down the rabbit hole of this in, in terms of physics and, and show why this happens, but I won't. So if we just simplify it, we have a mechanistic approach and we have a, a vitalistic approach, right? And when we can put the two things together, then we have a reconciliation of, of both parts, which becomes a whole. And coming back to, you know, like Ray and Tom's methodology of true unity, there we, ha we can say that when a person really connects with the horse and um, we're, we're taking the aspects of the vitalistic component, which we can say is a spiritual part, and the energetic component but then we're looking at the mechanism you know we can say biomechanics the way the horse moves and why he moves and then we we can also throw technique into that mechanistic component so when all of those are reconciled and they're in harmoniously to each other we, we enter the dance and we enter the dance where we start to actually flow forward with lightness and grace and you know with a sense of inspiration and gratitude so it's a highest mm -hmm. form of vitality that we become like the and it's an attractive energy so the horses want to be around us so this is a love this is why i love mm -hmm. the work that we do because um yeah because we can use the horses as a non-biased feedback mechanism to let us know that you know the life inside of that person is you know it's not in harmony it's in a state of uh you know disequilibration and therefore, you know, we start to ask those questions like, what is the creation of that? And the number one thing that I see is fear. And like the fear, the fear attached to, you know, the seven elements of fear, you know, the fear of actually um, breaking other people's belief systems, you know, and um, mm. also the fear of actually hurting themselves or, you know, not not being able to withstand um, their physical attributes within themselves, right? So they're probably the number, the two things. And we can say the fear of actually um, stepping inside other people's belief systems could be the horse. Like I see that a lot with riders that they don't want to actually, you know, like hurt the horse. So they stay on the outside the, the realms of trouble too far. So the horse starts to actually take advantage, right? So you can see that person in life would, was doesn't have a proclivity to be a leader. They don't have a proclivity to actually stand up for themselves. So, you know, I'd noticed that um, a lot of women would come and we'd see the horse doing this and I would see that in their personal lives that they would be subordinating to relationship issues, right? So, you know, it's... Beautiful aspect of looking at why, what is the cause and effect of um, disequilibration in people's lives. I know that was a bit of a rant and a bit of going down a rabbit hole, but so I think um, the anxiety side of things is um, anxiety to me is something that actually stems before fear actually comes in so it's a beautiful feedback mechanism to let you know that you're actually heading deeper and deeper into the fear aspect so in having the opportunity to work with post-traumatic stress disorder um, military veterans in the u.s like i come across a lot of these things and um, we look at fear it was the fear expression um, is stored emotions from unintegrated memories 
from the past, right? And when we have, Mm -hmm. let's go down this rabbit hole, when we have unintegrated Mm -hmm. memories of the past of trauma that is being now Mm -hmm. surfaced as anxiety in the human system because these Mm -hmm. unintegrated memories and uh, from the past haven't been reconciled, how do you how do you work with that with the timeline therapy? Um, well, in that we do a thing called a parts integration, mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing. Like a parts integration does not have to take long, um, and it will take the different aspects, the different parts that are not basically integrated, and um, and uh, within moments you can take the logic and the fear and then see that both parts are actually wanting the same outcome. You know, when you actually get to the fear, when you go deep and deep and deep down that fear, it might be that, you know, you want to feel safe or, you know, or excuse me, something like that. And when you, when you take both sides and you integrate them, then boom, the emotions are complete. It's, it's just, bloody fantastic that's all i can say like it works and it works so quick and people live 50 goddamn years with these you know um split energies um yeah so it's definitely part of um yeah the the site k um and the timeline therapy it's it's certainly an aspect to that 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 is powerful work it is so it is i love it it's powerful powerful stuff to and to be able, and I know, and I've seen you do it, and I've also had the experience of it too, is being able to have that full integration, that that memory is no longer affecting your physiology. And it's yeah. no longer, yes. when you go even search for it, it's no longer available to them. You can't, in terms of you can't even find it. No, no. It's funny. It, when you work with someone, oh, sorry, keep going, yeah. No, no. It, it's, yeah. It, it is beautiful because it is, it's not there. Mm. Yeah, like you'll work with someone and they've got this emotion that, you know, it triggers. You can trigger it, trigger it in a, in a moment and then it's gone and they just look at you and their eyes roll and go, you know, what the hell? I can't access it. I can't find it. It can even be a little bit frightening for someone who's lived it so long and they can't find it all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then not only then they can't find it and, and, and that can take a few moments to really um, digest that. But then what happens is that I've, I've seen as they go away and think, when's it going to come back? You know, a lot of people, it, it, the disbelief that it can be that easy. Sometimes people go, oh, well, I've walked out of a session, but maybe it'll come back, you know, next week, tomorrow. But, you know, then that can be a little bit of a problem. But generally speaking, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> to that, to that degree, months, and to that degree, it's um, also... Um, and knowing that that person has utilized that stored trauma as a crutch, right? And it's become, you yeah. know, it's become part of their life that they, you know, this is what we say the element of attachment to victim mentality is. Yes. They, they live it, they become it. And there's also a fear of actually relinquishing it too, because who are they going to be beyond that? Because that's been their story. I think that yeah. is really, that's it. Yeah, that's been yeah, a that, story that, that has so having so many benefits attached to it. And 
down the line of work that I do in that is like we go and look for like what are all the benefits that you have gained from living that way and living in that belief system relative to you know what we would say is creating the victim um so in essence it's it's getting them to see that that's no longer of service to them and getting them to also perceive beyond that but yeah i've found that too with a lot of clients is that you you integrate and reconcile those um, stored memories from the past and then all of a sudden poof it's gone there's like a void that becomes <laughs> and that can also take them into the next layer of like whoa where did that go man you know like there's this sense of lightness like i don't feel like I used to feel because that's become habitual what they the yes. way that they used to be even though there's a feedback inside of them that's like constantly bringing them back to you know like this is not harmonious for your your biological mm. ecosystem and you're stepping inside of um you know creating disease within your body holding on to this stored trauma and uh but they don't what they don't know, they don't know. Remember Ray used to say that to us. You're all doing all right, but because you don't know any better, right? And mm -hmm. so people in what they don't know, they don't know, right? And this is, mm -hmm. this is where I think you and I as teachers in this area is being able to help people understand that there is layers for you to be able to live a different way in your life that will give you a, a higher sense of fulfillment and a higher sense of vitality to your life. Yeah, I think um, something that I, I was thinking that I should share as well, just on that subject, is um, of the fear and and um, the emotions. I I believe that when an anxious emotion comes up. It's actually our guidance system saying you are thinking something that is going to take you down a path towards something you don't want. You know, if, if we just flip that one belief to when, a, when an emotion comes up and it says, woo, stop, stop, you are taking yourself somewhere that is not going to serve you. It is not what you want. So what if poor emotion was just a guidance system the red and green lights of life saying woo stop stop don't think that you don't want that outcome it's taking you somewhere you don't want so stop but we're so busy squashing that emotion down resisting that emotion what if we just acknowledge the emotion and said thank you mm. thank you love for that. that guidance yeah i yeah, love that like that's beautiful because in that moment you're asking a question, you know, like you have to go into yourself and ask the question, whoa, what is that emotion, right? And then you might label mm -hmm. it. And before it goes any further to try and avoid it, you just honour it in its form because Mother Nature did give us these uh, emotions for a reason, right? They are beautiful, beautiful feedback mechanisms for us to be able to become more present with ourselves and to, to reconnect back into our physical body, right? So I think that's that's a beautiful way of looking at it, you know, like, thank you. Thank you for that emotion. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like that because I think there's so many people, even down to the anxiety thing, like um, 
you want to call it condition or experience, we'll call it experience. It's like, um, what if we just flip that one belief? That one belief that when the emotion comes up, it is is a it's a it's a feedback mechanism. Instead mm. of going, oh my god, I don't want to feel this. This is bad. You know, like just that one flip of a belief. Like every time it comes up, go, what's the what, what's the the guidance I'm receiving here? Yes, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. And you know, in your intuition is your first form of feeling, and I think oh, with this desensitization through hedonism in um, in society these days, most people have shut out that intuition, and it's it's not it's not even available to them. So they're because they don't know how to actually interpret what it's trying to reveal to them through the feedback and it can be labeled as too painful so therefore there's an avoidance that comes in through conditioning or belief systems now hedonism means to avoid um, pain and seek pleasure like at at its um, highest form thank you to jeremy bentham who actually created that within the construct of humanity which I, i don't I don't believe that that actually serves a human because it's an avoidance of nature. Now, nature has given us, or God or Mother Nature, whatever you choose to actually call it, our universal laws, universal constructs, in our physical form of makeup, we've been given an aspect of pain for a reason, right? And any time that you are stepping into a self-preservation, your intuition's there before that comes in. Right? There's layers before that steps in. And when you can when you can actually grab it before it steps into, you know, like a um of anxiety or a fear, then it turns to anger and then depression and then apathy and blah blah blah. So understanding which layer or frequency that you're at is also relevant to having an awareness to tap back into your body. But the number one thing, I see this all the time working with my clients, is they have forgotten how to feel. They don't want to tap into their body. They don't want to feel. They just stay in their heads. And like the mind Absolutely. the mind has become the pathway in their perception to 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 you know override the senses and the sensations in their body, right? But the, you know it's also we can say um in that form, then they tend to, you know, go down the pathway of antidepressants, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, pot, all these particular things that we label as, you know, masking agents for our sensational uh, sensations in our body. <clears throat> but I, I have noticed this, you know, and I was just thinking about when you're talking, um, being able to reconnect with your body. You know, I had a client last week who basically said to me, um, you didn't give me what I wanted, so therefore I'm not going to utilize you anymore. My directive to them <coughs> was to take their shoes off and go and walk in the grass so that they could reconnect with their body, re- reconnect with their feet, and be present in the moment and feel what was happening down to the soles of their feet. And you know, they said to me, you know, well, that's not. It's not what I need right now, you know. What I need is to be able to relinquish my anxiety. And the number one thing of that is is that they're so disassociated from their body that the anxiety is the feedback mechanism to let them know that they're disassociated from their body. 
but in their perception through mm. belief systems and conditioning that it's it's not good to have anxiety but the anxiety is doing exactly what anxiety was designed to do was to actually bring you back to presence bring you back into a state of feeling the sensations in your body and then ask a question you know like at that from that state of presence like being there being in that state of presence what is this that's surfacing and your beautiful answer thanking it for being there I think um, I've heard a statement and it goes like this. The longest journey that you'll ever take is from your head to your heart. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, I think that sums it all up, doesn't it? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. When we're up in our head and we're running around in that monkey mind and, and it's all, well, I won't say all, but many of it is just programmed beliefs when we get into our heart space and we really feel that get present in that moment then the true answers come through then the true intuition has the ability to shine it's like um you know quiet in your mind and your soul will speak mm. i think um yeah, mm -hmm. super super important and and that's where the horses you know they do bring us back into the present moment um, very much so can bring us back it can bring us back into the present moment <laughs> many people don't let them but when you're about to get backed off you're fairly present <laughs> very much so or when you i have this memory of <laughs> it was i was riding my stallion around a arena at my arena at, at um my place that i had in wa and and I was actually, you know, like I was in a, I was showing off, like I was being that person, you know, I was like, look at me, look at me, look at me. But I was also I had a client that was sitting on the, on the fence watching. And um, so I was in a higher state of, of um, you know, let's just say ecstasy in some form, you know, like I'd put myself up on a pedestal that I was this great trainer and, and, um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, where this is going, right, you know, as we put ourselves or pump ourselves up, there has to be a humbling, pride-humbling circumstance set to bring you back to a state of equilibrium. And I was very prideful mm -hmm. because I was riding this beautiful black horse around, you know, and it was very collected canter and and I uh, was doing flight and leg changes mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, and um, but my mind, I was not present in the moment. I was more concerned about what the client was thinking about me, right? And and um, so this this Jerry go my stallion. He was just such a beautiful feedback for me. If the moment that I stepped out of presence and I wasn't with him, he just let me know, you know. And wow, I tell you what, he bucked me off. Right, he went just full on into it. He he lifted. He bucked me off, and because I wasn't present, I lost my center, and so he got me unseated, and. Uh, mm -hmm. He flicked me up in, but as I went up, he went down, and as I came down, he came up, and so he hit me again. Uh -oh. Yeah, exactly, double whammy. And mm -hmm. I remember, I remember distinctly. Um, I didn't realize until afterwards, but I remember distinctly in the process of of being bucked off was, oh, where's the ground? Like I've lost my element of center. And I couldn't find the element of the ground. You know, being bucked off so many times, it's the first thing that we look for to tuck and roll to protect the body, right? 
But this time I was so out of centre, I was so up in um, above equilibrium in pride that um, I'd lost that centre. And uh, then I, I felt the ground, right? And literally he flicked me straight up <laughs> on my, I was like being poleaxed, boof, onto my head. And I remember distinctly going, yeah. there's the ground, bang, like crumple. And I lay on the dirt there for a bit going, oh, mm, is my neck broken? No, I can feel my toes. I can feel my feet. You know, my fingers are moving, all this kind of thing. Mm. But distinctly mm. in that moment, yeah. I was like, Kelly, you're above equilibrium, way above. So you just got humbled. Like pride, humbling circumstances mm. just took care of that for you. Mm. And... I had a moment of gratitude because that horse was so sensitive to me in the connection that we had that he would not take that shit from me at all, right? Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's my greatest teacher to let me know when, when I was above equilibrium or below, right? And in in that aspect, mm -hmm. he was the horse that would uh, – and. It, he was a horse that would bring me down when I was pride humbling and he'd lift me up when I was in a depressive stage, right, too as well. So, you know, what a beautiful sentient being to be able to, to have a relationship with, with that sensitivity of that energy but also to have the comprehension that that's what was happening in creation of the connection that we were sharing. Majority of people mm -hmm. out there would have no comprehension of that they would just label it as a oh, bad horse right bucked you off he needs more training yeah. yeah but yeah and this is what you know i see and i'm wondering if you see it too just you know let's just put the horses aside for a moment and let's look at human um dynamics inside of you know like relationships and um when we see these particular things occurring um inside we human dynamics we also see like people will actually overpower others if they are um you know self-righteous or if there's a self uh you know deprecation that's occurring that will also create an overpowerment to a person um so we see this in a dynamic now let's just take it and be controversial for a moment right let's go into what's actually happening in Australia right now with the COVID uh, overpowerment of the government, you know, saying you, you know, potentially need to have a vaccination, etc. And why is there people that are running to get that done? And why is there people that are going, no, I'm not putting that stuff in my body, right? So we, we can see these two systems that are occurring in um, polarity and, um, what I feel is happening is that the one, the fear-based thinkers are the ones that are putting their belief systems into the hands of the government to, to be able to look for safety, right, in the perception, but without doing all the, the research to and having the, the enough data to make an objective decision. And the opposite that is occurring is those that have had the objective uh, data to make a decision relative to who they are so therefore they have governance over themselves right does that make sense so linking that back to the horse yeah. is that in the moment because I was in uh, as a, as above 
equilibrium, which is the same as fear on the opposite scale, I, the horse required to govern me back into a state of balance, right? So if we take it and be controversial for a moment to what's happening in our country, then, you know, I, do you want to go down that rabbit hole with the work that we do? <clears throat> <laughs> oh. well yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one I think um, for me when this all first um, came to light I went into a seeker of the truth you know mm-hmm. I, I felt that you know I'm an intelligent woman I just wanted to find out um, both aspects of the argument so to speak so I could make an informed decision. Now, the minute that I wanted to make an informed decision and get some information, I was labelled as an Mm anti-vaxxer. And for me, I felt that that was unwarranted, unfair. What? So the minute that I want to be a a thinker for myself, I'm I'm going, does that mean I'm going against the grain? Does that mean I'm... um, you know, completely left field. No, I was an intelligent person wanting to gain some insight from both sides to make an educated decision. Now, people tell me they've made an educated decision when they've gone and got the vax, the jab, I should say. But um, where did they get the information to make that educated decision? You know, that's what I would ask. Um, And, you know, I'm still... um, searching for answers on this so i will say that but you know what i want to bring up i don't know what's right and wrong right now um you know i listen to the media and they're saying one thing i listen to other other sources and they're saying another um so i can only go on my experience right now and i'll tell you what i know from 20 years of teaching people to ride and a high percentage of children 15 years ago, I had 5% of my students that were a little bit slow, let's say, and they were never going to be particularly good horse riders. They were never going to be particularly brilliant. You had to hand feed everything to them, and that's just who they were. You had a majority that were, you know, were pretty switched on and you could get things done, and then you had a 5% that were really quite amazing and, and talented and that was super fun to work with, obviously. Now, let's move forward 15 years down the track. I have 95% of my students, they can't think anymore. Like they're dumb, you know, and it's and I've been sort of looking at it and watching it going, what is going on? Like they can't think for themselves. They don't make decisions. They, they've got no get up and go, everything has to be done for them. You know, you ask them to get on by themselves without a crate and they have a meltdown and cry. You know, 15 years ago, they're like, get out of the way, you're, you're protecting me too much, I want to do it myself. And now it's like they want you to do everything for them. They want you to think for them. And, and, and when you ride a horse, that's not possible. You have to make some decisions on your own. And I've sort of asked myself, what the hell is going on these kids are turning up like they're literally dumbed down. In in all my students right now, I have two that have got a bit of nouse about them and can think for themselves and they've got all this life about them. You put them on the horse and they're like, let's go. And they're like, the rest are just like, oh, my goodness, it's, it's a struggle at the moment. 
And I have to say, like, I want to know how many vaccinations these kids are getting by the time that they get to nine years old or, or 10 years old or whatever. And I'm starting to wonder whether there's not a correlation there between, between that, I have to say. But I don't have the answers to that, but there's definitely something going on that I personally have experienced in, in my own little world. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, isn't it? You know, and I was just thinking while you were speaking about that again to, <clears throat> if we look at um, the desensitisation of humanity and um, we, I'm just going to say it, they've been broken in. And if you think about the way that we first started breaking in horses when we didn't know any different, you know, we'd collar rope them, we'd tie a leg up and we'd choke them down and, and um, you know, yeah. We would, we would make things happen. And so we would really have that control or governance over that limbic system in the animal. We would take them, we'd lay them down, we'd do all that kind of stuff and take away their dignity as such, right? And then that horse would stand up and he'd be totally desensitised, flooded with information and uh, relinquish or submit himself to the human, right? So I see that if you look at the way that we've actually been conditioned in, now this is going to be controversial and there'll be people that will disagree with what I'm about to say and that's okay because I understand in the laws of the universe there has to be 50% of the population that will disagree with what I'm about to say due to their, <laughs> yeah, which is true, you know, it's, it's a <laughs> universal construct. So what I'm about to say is that due, due to our conditioning, our first form of subordination as humans is to our mother. Now, our mother was also conditioned through an upbringing um, relative to comprehension, understanding of the parents before them. So I'm just going to use my family, for example. You know, like my mum's a school teacher, so therefore she was indoctrinated conditioned through the the traditional education system, the public school system, right? So that becomes yeah. her sense of value. And then her values become her actions. And then her actions become the way that she lives her life. And then when I'm born, then I basically live underneath those values. So therefore, I inject those values that are projected upon me to live in that form. And so we go along and the next form of um, subordination is our father who's probably lived in the same sense right and and then we go on again to our teachers and then if you're religious your preachers and then we go into community you know authorities and then we go into you know state authorities and then we go into national national authorities and global authorities so on and so forth right <clears throat> so we have all these levels of subordination that are that we have as belief systems and we find ourselves, you know, inside following these rules, right? But we don't question those rules unless you're a truth seeker like you and me. We basically just become desensitized and broken in to those sense of rules, just like when we, you, we used to train horses that way. Now let's step forward to mm -hmm. starting a horse, right? When we start a horse, we actually, we actually, are doing uh, we're doing and being with that animal in its intrinsic form or its authentic sense of the way that that species operates and we derive a communication relative to that species and we communicate 
in the way that that species is in its authenticity. So I like to say it is that we communicate in the sense of value of that animal. And therefore we actually establish a f uh, authentic flowing based partnership, which is what Ray used to say, uni uh, true unity. We, be, we are able to actually dance with that animal because there's an intrinsic understanding of, of what that animal is, right? <clears throat> and we allow it to be as it is without judging it relative, relative otherwise. And then we flow with that. So the communication starts, right? And what tends to happen is we go through this conditioning process when we enter our schooling and we enter our education uh, programming. And so therefore we're taking in the inf information to become informed of the way that we should live our life in form. Now, is that true? right? Most people wouldn't even ask that question because we haven't been taught how to think. We've been taught what to think, yes. right? And so you go back to so breaking, in, breaking in the horse. We're teaching. When we're breaking it in, we're teaching it what to think. But when we're starting the horse, we're teaching it how to think, right? So yeah, that's cool. Mm, so in, in that element is I see the fear-based, uninformed uh, decision-making processes of those who are running to be vaccinated or running to, you know, become, do whatever the government says, is they're desensitised, they've been broken in, they can't think for themselves, right? And then we have the opposing force because it has to be those who are have been started, they've learned how to actually think for themselves and how to actually ask questions relative to becoming more informed, making their own decisions. So therefore their life is internally governed, but the opposite is externally governed. So we have both sides, which is nature, you know? So I'm, I'm grateful mm -hmm. for that to be there and I'm grateful for me to be where I am because I know that that's par for the course in terms of universal laws, which is the highest order of law that governs most things, where true harmony actually exists. That was a little deep, but I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit like the conscious versus unconscious and the degrees, the varying degrees within there, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. when, you want to make a, when you want to make a decision, and I equate this to anything. Let's say you want to buy a car. You know, you work out what what are the attributes of that car that you need to, you know, for it to do. And then you go and look at, you know, I bought myself a um, Ford Ranger. So, you know, I went and looked at, you know, the Isuzu's. Went and looked at the, um, I can't remember what they call it, but there's a few different ones in that in the Colorado. So there's a few different ones. So you look at all the different, you weigh it up and look at what you need and what it does and what, you know, and isn't that just being informed? Isn't that just being an intelligent person? But yet when it comes to this whole vaccine thing, it's like, oh, you're doing research and and you're an anti-vaxxer. Like, you know, you're labelled because you're trying to be an intelligent, informed adult. That's how I've experienced it so far anyway. Um, yeah, so because there's creates yeah. a, a divide in perception. But again, if I come back to um, vax, pro-vax, anti-vax, 
I just like to say that I'm an informed human being that has made a conscious choice in a decision-making process by ask, after asking quality questions on a directive that I'm going to give for myself. And that's relative to me and my value system. And so I'm internally governing myself to make that decision-making process. And um, go ahead, be whoever you are in your choice. Does that make sense? I'm not going to impose my Absolutely. values. On, I'm not going to impose my values on you. That that um that that's your choice. Go ahead and do that. But it's it's having an understanding um, that fear is if you're being directed and driven by fear, that means that you don't have enough data or information to make an informed decision on a directive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, aspect, beautiful aspect of what the service of fear is for you, right? Now, I never want to get rid of fear, right? I want to go, thank mm -hmm. you, fear. What is it that you're trying to reveal to me that I haven't asked enough quality questions? In my, in my decision-making mm -hmm. process, do I have enough data to be able to, to have the information to bring and reconcile all aspects to actually have governance over my own answer. I prefer not to give yeah. away my power to others to make decision-making processes for me because at the end of the day, mm. this is my body, my vessel that I live in that nobody else owns, right? Mm. Not right now. <laughs> 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 well, it is. It is my still my vessel. <laughs> we can go deeper down that rabbit hole too if you choose to. But it is it is very interesting coming back to um, um, unbridle the mind. We could. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about unbridling the mind? Because I could say that by what I just mentioned is a way to unbridle your mind too as well. Because fear actually stems from the mind first. Yeah, I think um, well, the unbridle the mind um, courses are, are hands on. So they are people come and they work with the horses. It's um it's not a ridden um, experience. It's all on the ground. Um, and I think. Um, I think for me that process brings people back into the present. Um, people, sometimes you've just got to get back to the present so you can think clearly. You know, it can be as simple as that. Um, yeah, you know, getting out of that head and getting getting into your heart and, and being in that moment. So sometimes, I mean, everyone will take something different away from, from our weekends. Um, half of it is theory and half of it is practical. Um, so we have both aspects. Um, but certainly the actual, you know, hands-on doing aspect, a lot of that is, is just getting you back into your heart space and getting back into the present moment. And then, and then whatever comes up, comes up, because sometimes something comes up to be healed and all you actually have to achieve is awareness. You know, sometimes it's just awareness of of that um, chaos within your your mind and system 
it, it clears by itself when when the light is shine it, it, it you know shines on it so i think the um, unbridled of the mind course i mean it's a beautiful experience for anyone um you know we do meditation aspects in there as well and and the horses as you say are a great feedback um you know i've got different characters in my horses as you would know um and then they bring out different things in the people which is <laughs> sort of pretty cool um, yeah. i've got one very cheeky little pony and he's just in your face and, and it's really it's a bit challenging because he's just so loving and in your face that you sort of don't want to shut it down too much he's just a flower child and but um you know he can be overbearing for some people um so each horse will bring out a different aspect of someone um and things so i don't know whether that answers your question as far as the unbridled the mind work goes oh that's cool that thanks for sharing that that's it sounds like a, a an event or an experience that uh, i would recommend to a lot of people to have the opportunity if you get the opportunity to be able to go and have that experience because being around a horse um whether you're a rider or not it doesn't make any difference you know it's it's such a it's hard to put into words really and i don't think words do it justice being in the presence of the horse and then being in the presence of yourself like the true aspects of presence mm. the horse is just a beautiful portal to be able to take a person to that space hey oh look i feel so blessed that that i chose this life <laughs> i don't know how i got here or what actually transpired to to live this life but you know even just going down with the horses i've i've the last six months i've been riding the um make happy habit program so i've been not doing as much with the horses because it's been quite a big program to write but just to go down and i don't know just give them some pellets and just hang with them the other day i was just there and just standing with them and there's something I know it sounds a bit corny, but there's something magical that happens when you're just there and especially, you know, the horses that I own because obviously we have a deep connection, um, you know, we spend time together. So that that core feeling of oneness happens quite quickly. You know what I mean? You just come in there and we're both back where we were together and there's a trust. Funny, um. <laughs> I, um, a bloke I know said to me about one of my horses, and I'm not sure, I, I know he meant this as a compliment, but he said, you know, he said, Jen, you've got the most broke horses I know. <laughs> and obviously what he meant is they're, they're just so turned loose and just so right on, you know, when you're around them, when you touch them, they don't have any flinch in them. They're, they're just right. In them. And so those horses can help others. You know when someone else that's not right comes into their space you know they can you know the horse's energy they actually did a, um they did some research with the heart math institute do you know the heart math institute yeah i do yeah do you know them mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so they actually mm -hmm. did um they did some research there and they actually discovered that a horse's energy field is five times more powerful than a human's and I think that's really cool. And you and I both know because when that horse isn't right, viscerally that goes up through your body. You know, when that horse, they're just not right and they're about to lose it and it just viscerally goes through your whole system. Yes. And that's where we have to be so 
so solid to just stay so solid that we can just bring them back to right. But but I think that's why with the unbridled the mind work and those horses are really spot on. You you come into their field of energy and you just feel good. You feel you know you take a breath. You know I watch people just go and pat these horses and and they let down in the moment. They take a breath and just go oh everything's all right. I feel okay. Uh, what a beautiful gift that is in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And that, I love that, you know, horses are such beautiful gifts to humanity and you know, me also being a researcher and philosopher is you go back through time and you see that the horse has been in every aspect of theology throughout time. No matter where you go and look, the horse is there, you know, and I have to ask that question, you know, like why? And I believe because they are such a gift to, to humanity in that form. And... Uh, so with that, let's wrap this up. And um, in the honor of, of the horse, you know, there's such, so ah, it's just they're just wise, sentient beings. They're, they're sages of information. Mm. I like to call them too as well. So yeah. I want to thank you, Jen, for for jumping on and um, jumping on the podcast today. It's such a beautiful connection, and to be able to share this space with you and and to have a powwow, I like to call it, around anything and everything where we <laughs> down a rabbit hole and come back out again, you know, such fun too as well. Yeah. So where can people actually find you if they wanted to connect with you? Uh, well, the Make Up Your Habit course uh, is about to launch in about two weeks' time, and so that will be um, at www.makehappierhabit.com. And we've also got a Facebook page, uh, Make Happier Habit, um, which we just post things on there, inspirational quotes and any information that might help people make happier habit, really. It's really about just uplifting the vibe of people and life and sharing different information, I guess, and funny things. I think I think humor's good. <laughs> so you think funny funny videos or something that I like to put up and things so yeah well that would be the two ways that they connect excellent well any of my listeners out there you know if you want to connect with Jan please go ahead and do that and jump on the Facebook page and I'm sure there's lots of useful information there for you to be able to 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 you know grab hold of too as well so thank you Jen and thank you to all the listeners for actually joining us today and big love see you next time Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, and thank you, listeners. It's been a lovely experience.